Welcome to Ho in the Know, a podcast about sex work by sex workers for sex workers. I'm Selena the Stripper, and we are doing a mini-sode. This mini-sode, uh, we are getting into a kind of new look at the historical hoes segment, and that is taking a look at people who were uh, mischaracterized by historians as sex workers who were in fact tra- trafficked or were otherwise uh, victimized um, and forced into sex work. So um, I want to begin this episode with a little content warning. Um, we're going to get dark. This one is definitely not a fun, jolly episode. We are going to be covering slavery. We are going to talk about Um, forced uh, sex labor. We are going to talk about some mutilation. um, And uh, it's definitely super important who we're going to talk about. um, But, you know, just for those of you who are sensitive to this, uh, please, you know, take space. And uh, if you need to skip, feel free to skip. Without further ado, we will begin this episode of Historical Hose. So this week's historical hoe is Sarah Sarchi Bartman. So you might uh, already be familiar with the name. She is, um, I mean, she's known for so many things. You may know her as the hot and taut Venus. You may know her as Black Venus. Um, Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. Get ready. Sarah Bartman uh, called uh, Sarchi Uh, which is the uh, Dutch uh, diminutive form of Sarah, was born in 1789 in the Kamdebu Valley in the eastern part of the Cape Colony. She was born to a Khoi Khoi family in the vicinity of Kamdebu in what is now the eastern Cape of South Africa. Her father was killed by Bushmen while driving cattle. Bartman spent her childhood and teenage years on settler farms. She went through puberty rites and kept the small tortoiseshell necklace probably given to her by her mother for her whole life. As a teenager of a free black, which is the Cape designation for individuals of enslaved descent, trader named Peter Cesars met her and encouraged her to move to Cape Town, which had recently come under British control. Records do not show whether she was made to leave, went willingly, or was sent by her family to Caesars. She went to Cape Town for at least two years, working in households as a washerwoman and a nursemaid, first for Peter Caesars, and then in the house of a Dutch man in Cape Town. She moved to be a wet nurse in the household of Peter Caesars' brother, Hendrik Caesars, outside of Cape Town in present-day Woodstock. Bartman lived alongside slaves in the Caesars' household. William Dunlop, a a Scottish military surgeon in the Cape Slave Lodge, with a sideline in supplying showmen in Britain with animal specimens, suggested she travel to England to make money by exhibiting herself. Bartman refused. Dunlop persisted, and Bartman said she would not go unless Hendrik Cesars came too. He also refused, but as he became ever more indebted, in part because uh, caused by unfavorable lending terms due to his status as a free black, He finally agreed in 1810 to go to England to make money by putting Bartman on stage. 
Bartman was Dunlop's get-rich-quick scheme and was quoted as saying, quote, This female Hottentot of very singular appearance would make the fortune of any person who shooed her in London, and that he was under an engagement to send her back in two years, end quote. Lord Caledon, governor of the Cape, gave her permission for the trip, but later said regretted it after he fully learned the purpose of the trip. The party left for London in 1810, with Bartman in no position to refuse, even if she chose to do so. The three of them lived together in Duke Street, St. James, the most expensive part of London, with two African boys, probably brought illegally by Dunlop from the slave lodge in Cape Town. Dunlop exhibited Bartman in the Egyptian Hall of Piccadilly Circus on 24 November 1810. Dunlop thought he could make money because of Londoners' lack of familiarity with Africans and because of Bartman's pejoratively perceived large buttocks. She had a really big butt. As someone of Khoisan uh, descent, Bartman could not be formally enslaved, but probably lived in conditions similar to those of the enslaved people in Cape Town. Early on, her treatment in the Piccadilly stage caught the attention of British abolitionists, who argued that her performance was indecent and that she was being forced to perform against her will. Arguing against her enslavement and the commodification of touching her body, including her genitals, for profit. Ultimately, the court ruled in favor of her exhibition after Dunlop produced a contract made between himself and Bartman. It is doubtful that this contract was valid. It was probably produced for the purposes of the trial. Cesars left the show, and Dunlop continued to display Bartman in country fairs in England and Ireland for three more years. In 1814, after Dunlop's death, she was sold to animal trainer R or S. Rowe, who made her amuse onlookers who frequented the Palais Royal in France. S. Rowe raped and impregnated Bartman while she was enslaved. The child was named Okura Rowe and died when she was five of an unknown disease. In Paris, her exhibition became more clearly entangled with scientific racism. French scientists were curious about whether she had the elongated labia, which earlier naturalists had purportedly observed in Coisions uh, at, at the Cape. French naturalists, among them Georges Cuvier, uh, head keeper of the menagerie at the, his, or sorry, at the Museum of Natural History and founder of the discipline of comparative anatomy, visited her. She was subject of several scientific paintings at the Jardin du Roy, where she was examined in March 1815 as Saint Hilaire and Frederic Cuvier, a younger brother of Georges, reported, Quote, she was obliging enough to undress and to allow herself to be painted in the nude. This was not true. Although by his standards she appeared to be naked, she wore a small apron-like garment which concealed her genitalia throughout these sessions in accordance with her own cultural norms of modesty. She steadfastly refused to remove this even when offered money by one of the attending scientists. In Paris... 
Bartman's promoters did not need to concern themselves with slavery charges. Christ and Scully state, quote, By the time she got to Paris, her existence was really quite miserable and extraordinarily poor. Sarah was literally treated like an animal. There is some evidence to suggest that at one point a collar was placed around her neck, end quote. Actually, uh, there are pictures of said collar, and it is a terrible-looking thing. So anyway, um, Bartman lived in poverty and died in Paris of an undetermined inflammatory disease in December 1815. After her death, Georges Cuvier dissected her body against her wishes. His reasoning for cutting up Bartman was his search for proof of a missing link between animals and human beings hella racist. Although Cuvier conducted a dissection, there was no autopsy to inquire into the reasons for Bartman's death. Cuvier, as stated before, had met Bartman prior to her death and noted in his monograph that she was an intelligent woman with an excellent memory, particularly for faces. In addition to her native tongue, she spoke fluent Dutch, passable English, and a smattering of French. He describes her shoulders and back as graceful, arms slender, hands and feet as charming and pretty. He adds she was adept at playing the Jew's harp. What the fuck is that? Could dance according to the traditions of her country and had a lively personality. Despite this, Cuvier interpreted her remains in accordance with his theories on racial evolution as evidencing ape-like traits. He thought her small ears were similar to those of an orangutan and also compared her vivacity, when alive, to the quickness of a monkey. For more than half a century, more than a century and a half, pardon me, visitors to the Museum of Man, a hella fucking racist museum, in Paris could view her brain, skeleton, and genitalia, as well as a plaster cast of, cast of her body. Her remains were returned to South Africa in 2002, and she was buried in the Eastern Cape on South Africa's National Women's Day. So within this, I've, uh, I was watching a video by, um, I think it's called Famous Iconic Corpse. Iconic Corpses, this, uh, and I, it's the, the person who, like, runs the Ask a Coroner, um, uh, podcast, and she was talking about how, uh, often... Uh, Sarchi or Sarah was paraded for um, around 12 hours every day and then afterwards was kind of forced to be like a, a centerpiece at like French functions and English functions where people could come up close to her and try to touch her and she was probably and very likely sexually assaulted um, multiple times by multiple people so uh, and historically, she has been mischaracterized as a sex worker. And of course, that is how a lot of these stories go regarding black bodies, regarding black people, um, especially within the slave trade and within, you know, the narrative around colonialism. So I think it's important that whenever we are creating this narrative about historical hoes and about sex work, that we allow for this narrative of, you know, uh, where... This is not true, where it is not sex work, where it is trafficking, where it is people who are forced into these decisions, especially when it, with regards to slavery. Um, and we're going to dive into some more historical hoes who have very 
very complicated history. And I think it's really important to tell Sarah's story. I mean, it's just completely like inhumane and brutal. The fact that this fucking science, quote unquote, scientist is like racist, uh, fake ass biologist was able to get a hold of her body and cut it apart and take her brain and take her genitals and cast her body and just like do all of this just fucking wildly terrible shit to a human, to a human. And he just got away with it. He got full license. Because that's how black women are treated. Historically, I mean, how else would we have fucking a whole practice of gynecology were it not for these just truly inhumane treatments of black women, black slaves in particular? Um, And you know what? The fucking French did a lot to fight to keep her body, even as South Africa and fucking Nelson Mandela was requesting that her body be returned to her homeland. I mean, they fucking took her skeleton and just hung it up in a fucking museum, and they were trying to sell her to the Museum of Natural History, but they wouldn't take her because she was a living human. (laughs) She was a living human. Anyway, this whole thing is, you know, deeply upsetting, and I know that it was, this one's a hard one, it's it's not, it's not a fun story, but it is a very important story. And anyway, so that is this week's historical ho, Sarah Bartman. Hi, so it is once again Clover's Corner which I don't think I specified before that I'm calling it that, but in the past I've definitely, I think, said it's Clover's Corner anytime I um, talked for extended periods of time. So, it's Clover's Corner. I'm doing tarot readings for or a singular tarot reading for Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. Um, love, love, love reading, love, love tarot. Love yeah. Tarot. Uh, what else? Oh, and so it might not like actually apply to all of you um, because there's a lot of you, and honestly, that's a good thing because this isn't really a pretty reading. I can't say I liked your cards. Um, it starts out with the tower, the ten of swords, and death. So there's a definite ending going on here, perhaps to your relationship. It could also be some sort of transformation that's very shocking and maybe not desirable. The ten of swords is like the saddest card in the deck. Yeah, also the five of cups, I feel. Those are both very sad. Um, but the ten of swords, there's like this just completely like... I don't know, destroyed person. There are so many swords. Ten. Ten. And 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 they're like hanging from like by their arms from like this kind of I don't know what it is. Okay, anyway, it's really sad. It's a sad card. So something bad's coming. I mean it's just sad. Um and I'm really sorry about it. So following that I have judgment, the six of cups, and the page of wands, those all came up together and Um, that's, I'm reading it basically as you getting back in touch with your friends, if you'd been kind of out of touch with them because of maybe the sort of 
demands of your relationship or like the stresses of it or if you've been out of touch because you just like are the type of person that puts your friends to the side when you're in a relationship which I would say don't do that (coughs) um try to grow out of that but um if so I do see you getting back in touch with them then (laughs) you are going to have a period of kind of like overcoming your like struggles and we have the strength card and then the eight of wands and the queen of pentacles together so kind of like propelling yourself forward into kind of self-care and coming back into yourself because the queen of pentacles represents you pentacles are earth and the queen is like a really high representation of this so it's like um focusing on what makes you happy and how to be successful for yourself like um with a big emphasis on work because following this we have the eight of pentacles which is the work card and it's very like virgo energy to me um it's just sort of like i think like partially some of your coping is going to be like throwing yourself into your work following that we have the knight of cups and the three of wands so it's also like um you might end up i see this like two ways where it's like kind of once you feel pretty secure in like your work and all of the sort of things that you feel are going to make you um back into this place of stability as the queen of pentacles is kind of a very stable energy um you might want start to like kind of put yourself back out there the knight of cups is very flirty but i also do see this as you just kind of like moving forward with the sort of um kind of energy of moving into a greater emotional maturity and understanding cups are still all about like emotions and the knight is like a little further along than the page um in the court cards and so it's kind of like developing yourself like on an emotional level like learning from everything that happened so it could be a little bit of both for the underlying energies here i have the seven of cups the four of wands the eight of swords and the five of cups which overall it's kind of like um a really like sad morning energy and kind of getting stuck in all of these like thought loops where you're just kind of like defeating um self-defeating and maybe also a little bit uh you you can only look at the situation from one perspective somehow like you can't seem to like get yourself out of the way you've been thinking about it and it's really important that you do um but i do see you being kind of a little bit like deluded and living in this sort of um fantasy world uh not necessarily in the good way but where you're just sort of like seeing things not exactly for what they are but for what you've um kind of like chalked them up to be so this is kind of a warning against that an advisory so from my other deck the cards we have are the sun the five of wands the seven of cups the five of cups the eight of cups and the star with the sun this is a lot more about clarity and organization than it is about happiness which is like a traditional reading for like rider weight um so i see like this period's going to start off with like this clarity it kind of mirrors the towers energy which is just like very abrupt um and then it's going to be followed with contention the five of wands delusion the seven of cups and dissipation the five of cups so there's going to be kind of like this sort of combustion and coming together and arguing and then everything's going to be a little bit like confused and not great causing everything to end the eight of cups comes next it's like the 
walking away from the situation card, seclusion, you are going to just sort of like part ways or walk away from the situation entirely. And then the star, revelation, um, hope, renewal, rejuvenation, also distance. So it's like you're going to get away from the situation, gain a lot of clarity and distance. While you may have had some clarity at the start of this, where it might have been about like a specific action against you or a specific like thing that this person has like said to you that really like made it clear that you couldn't really be in a relationship with them or something like some sort of big epiphany there the star the distance is going to give you um more revelations and more clarity but it might not really be the sort of clarity that leads you anywhere because we do have that seven of cups underlying energy where it's a little bit um, diluted. <coughs> and it's kind of mirrored with um, the Archpriestess as an underlying energy from this deck where like she can often um, mean sort of like intuition. I think here she's meaning more of um, like a, a, a lack of intuition. Um, so we also have the Four of Wands, Strength, and Fortune. So it's like um, sort of a focus on your friendships um, and your own inner strength and then kind of like coming to terms with like the way the wheel has turned for you and just sort of like that this is your lot, like what happened happened and how do you move forward. So um, that's sort of the... Overall reading, definitely there's going to be some sort of ending and it's not going to really be fun. Um, but don't lose hope. Like, your friends are there. If you haven't thought of reaching out to them yet, you should reach out to them now. And um, there'll be uh, a really good, like, like don't isolate yourself is a really big energy. Um, so for advice from the Loteria, I have... The harp and then this sort of gentlemanly guy and the siren so um i think it's just that in the future when looking for partners don't look for just like um, the person that has like all of the qualities that you say you want um and that you may want to look for something that's like not initially enticing and maybe um there's a level of fantasizing that you could have done or a level of projection that didn't allow you to see the person for what they were. They may have been singing a really sweet song um, and it just ended up being a sweet song, I guess, with the siren, you know, like um, metaphorically speaking. So I guess that's kind of obvious advice, but that's kind of what it is. Like it just, the situation, while it's unpleasant, it is what it is and it looks as though like I mean, I'm just hoping that um, that this person's absence brings you peace more than anything. So, um, rough month, but it's good, you know? Like, you've got to, like, prune your garden. I know I'm making another garden analogy. I don't know if you heard last week, but, um, yeah, gardens. That's love. Um, and I hope you all have a better month than I've predicted, um, but if you don't, then hit me up, I guess, on 
little underscore four leaf and the four is a numeral um that's on instagram much love bye that's all for me you heard it here first thanks for listening If you like what I'm doing, if you are enjoying the information that I'm sharing, please consider uh, subscribing to my Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar. You can subscribe for $5 a month. You have access to something like over 75 different stories about my work, about interacting with clients, and just all kind of all kinds of other stuff. So it's truly everything under the sun, and I would definitely love you to subscribe. Um, follow me on Instagram at prettyboygirl. Follow this project on Instagram at hoeintheneau, H-E-A-U-X, in the K-N-E-A-U-X. It's spelled really poorly. You can follow my co-host at the goddess Corey, C-O-R-I, on IG as well. Um, so thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of Ho in the Know, and have a wonderful week. Bye bye. More money, I want your money, I want more money. 